Well, if you would, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Joel as we near the end of this series, just a few left in the series entitled Wind and Rain. And you know that whenever it is as hot in the country and in Kentucky and up in Chicago and even up in the upper Midwest, hotter there than even in other places in the United States, you know that we're all looking for rain because usually rain means cooler temperatures. It means that there is some cool front coming through and some relief from all of the dead grass and the pitiful flowers and just the intense heat. Lakes begin to dry up. I mean, we just need this rain. And this is the situation that God's people were in. They needed that special touch from God to bring life back to what had been eradicated and just it just destroyed by all these other countries that God's people had allowed to come into the land and bring destruction. Well, now God is at a point with his people to tell them that not only is it going to rain a little, not only is it going to rain a lot, but it is going to pour down from heaven. Now, before you might be thinking, some of you farmers and people that have uh, that have uh, gardens and that kind of thing, you might say, well, no, you need to understand, too much rain is just as bad as not enough rain. It's got to be just right. Well, God's going to pour out rain from heaven, but it won't exactly be a downpour of raindrops. But he promises in Joel chapter 2 that the next major flood that comes to God's people is going to come in the person of the Holy Spirit. Joel prophesies here that it is going to come from heaven, that God's Spirit is going to fall upon His people. And that's why the title of the message today is, It's Raining, It's Pouring. You remember that little nursery rhyme? It's raining, it's pouring, the old man is snoring. He went to bed and bumped his head and couldn't get up in the morning. Now some of y'all are thinking, some of the best times to nap is when it's raining outside. You just hear that little bit of rain, it starts to hit the roof, you turn the temperature of the AC down, you get your cup, now don't start nodding off on me now, you wait, wait till after lunch, but that's such a great time to nap. Well, this old man thought the same thing too, but, you know, medically speaking, he, he probably suffered from a head injury, you know, when he bumped his head and it resulted probably in an epidural hematoma, uh, subsequent lucid interval and resultant decrease in a conscious level see because he was snoring and he couldn't get up in the morning so he probably knocked himself out a lot of people think you know that's the best time to sleep it's just it's it's raining outside it's just it's peaceful it just enables you to just drift into the sleep however what God is saying to his people is that's not the time to pull the covers up and to knock yourself out and sleep through the until the morning in fact what god is saying is whenever it's pouring outside that's the time to get out and work that's the time to see the blessings of heaven flowing down in your life that's the moment to get out and sing and dance and play in the rain and go out and work the fields go out and do ministry that god has called you to do the rain that comes from God, spiritually speaking, is not the time to doze off and to miss it. It's the time to wake up, to be re-energized, and to thank God for His blessing. 
If you've never heard a message from the book of Joel, this is the premier text in this in this whole book. You have picked a great Sunday to hear one message from the book of Joel because this is exactly what we all need. If you're able to, would you stand as we read this text of Scripture together? Joel chapter 2, beginning in verse 28 through verse 32. The Bible says, And it shall come to pass afterward, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my Spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, for your gift of grace. We thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus, your Son, that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And we thank you, Father, as your Holy Spirit is here and present in this place today, we ask you, God, to move in a powerful way that none of us would leave the way that we came, that all of us would be touched by your presence and by the truth of your word, and God, that we would have encountered you clear and plain today we pray in jesus name amen you may be seated as i mentioned a moment ago this is really the premier text in the book of joel and he's had lots of analogies and lots of illustrations and lots of of language that kind of speaks to some weird things that have happened and you kind of piece things together to understand what happened to this great nation as i said they let other nations come in they let sin come into their land and so they lost all their agriculture they lost their faithful fellowship with god that fellowship now is is broken and they need to repair it god through his word sends them warning they turn from their sin and turn back to god and god said okay now that you've turned from that sin i'm going to pour out blessings on you and then God saves the best for last. And he says, not only am I going to bless your land, not only am I going to bless the oil and the crops and the, the beasts of the field and all of these homes, and not only are you going to be able to have sacrifices to give back to me, but God saves the best to last. And he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on you. Now, I don't know how successful you are. I don't know how amazing you think that you and your family are. I don't know how competent you feel to be able to handle problems. And I'm not quite sure where all of you are in your relationship with God. But one thing that I know, speaking surely and plainly on the authority of the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, if you don't have the Spirit of the living God, you are not born again. We have to be born once 
and that born once is in sin. But Jesus said we have to be born again, and when we are born again, the Spirit of the living God comes to live inside of us. And if that has never happened, then God prophesies to you today that you can have His presence living in you. But if that has happened in your life, and you have come to know Jesus personally, and you have been born again, then this text speaks to you and the obligation that you and I have to the rest of the world because of the Spirit of God. And I want you to notice what the Bible teaches us about that. First of all, the Bible says that we need to receive the Spirit of the Lord. It all begins with receiving the Spirit of God. And that happens when we are born again. Notice the prophecy in verse 28. Joel says to his people, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Now understand what Joel is speaking of here. He's talking about a time that will be after these things. God's people had just experienced through chapter 1 and chapter 2. They had just experienced this resurgence and this blessing that God has poured out on them and now Joel says after these things some time in the future God says I'm going to pour my spirit on all flesh now he's not saying that every person on the planet is going to be saved when he pours his spirit out but what he means very clearly and plainly is that the opportunity to know God personally will be available to all through the preaching of the Holy, through the uh, gospel of Christ, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, through God's people being faithful to share the message of hope with those that need to know it. The Holy Spirit of God is active in this world, drawing people to God. This Holy, the Holy Spirit of God is active in each Bible believing and Christ honoring church this morning. God is in the midst of those that gather together in two or three to pray and to study God's Word. The Holy Spirit, I pray, is alive and well in your home as you study God's Word together as a family and you pray together. And I pray that God's Spirit is with you today. But He says that the Spirit is going to be poured out on all flesh. But who is going to be the direct recipient? Who's going to benefit the most from the spirit of the living god notice the prophecy here he says in verse 28 your sons and your daughters shall prophesy he says your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions the sons and daughters he says will prophesy meaning that these in the next generation are going to be able to share the truth of God's Word with people that need to hear it. Just like Joel is bringing a message of God to God's people, he says your next generation is going to be equipped with the Spirit of the living God living in them to be able to share the truth of God's Word. And in case you're wondering when and where this prophecy came to be, it happened on the day of Pentecost as Peter stood up and preached. You see, after Jesus had ascended into heaven, he told the disciples to meet together and stay in Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit would come like a, like a rushing wind and would fill them. 
And as the Holy Spirit came on that day of Pentecost and filled the disciples, Peter of all people stood up and preached a message and saw thousands of people give their heart to the Lord Jesus and be born again. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 that you are born of the water, meaning you are born naturally. The water breaks and the baby shows up. And then he said you have to be born again of the Spirit of the living God. Friend, we are living in the days after the Holy Spirit has already come. There is nothing more to wait on. There is no extra power that you are being kept from. There is no presence of God that is absent in the world. God is alive and well. And the moment that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit into the world, from that point until Jesus comes again, the gospel is to be preached, the church is to prophesy and speak the word of God, and people are to be saved. That's our goal and our mission as a church. But he says, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. You notice that both groups of people are looking forward. But the old guys, those advanced in years, you know, like Hunter and Daryl and some of them, those that are really old will dream dreams about things that will happen in the future that they won't get to see. Things that they pray God does in the next and the next and the next generation. And the Holy Spirit is what guides those dreams. You see, our church doesn't exist because we come from a line of people that have planned out everything that should happen we we as a church exist because there have been people in the past that have seen what god wanted to do in the future and gave their life for a dream that god would do long after they were gone friend that happens every time you teach a sunday school class that happens every time that you give a missions offering That happens every time you serve in a ministry. You are planting seeds for work that you will not live long enough to see happen. We want it in the here and now. We want to be able to put our name on it. We want to be able to take credit for it. But these old men in the church ought to get together and dream together what can God do long after we're gone, that everybody would give credit to Christ. The young men, he says, will see visions. The young men will see what God will do after the old men are gone. And they envision all of what God is going to do. They long for it. They live for it. They plan for it. They pray for it. They execute it. They raise money for it. They encourage God's people for it. And they lead this to happen. Then he says in verse 29, even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. Very simply to say, everyone will have the opportunity to have the presence of the living God within them. Friend, my question to you is super simple this morning. Have you received the Spirit of God? Is the Holy Spirit of God living in you? Now be careful when you answer this question. Because if the answer is yes, 
then you need to fit into one of these categories that the prophet of Joel just gave. You either need to be an old man, Rick, dreaming dreams that will outlive you. You need to be a young man, John, who is seeing visions of what God wants to do in the future. You need to be a son or a daughter in the faith that is sharing the message of hope with people. And even if you are just a simple servant of God, you've got to do everything for the glory of God, not for you. So my question to you is super simple today. Does the Holy Spirit of God live within you? Are you sharing the message of hope? Are you dreaming for what God will do? Are you seeing visions of what God wants to do? Are you actively serving to promote the kingdom of God and to advance God's will on this planet? Friend, if you are not, then the answer is very simple. You either need to be born again and receive the Spirit of the living God, or if you have been born again, you are bone dry. You need God to pour out His presence on you. Old men, when's the last time you had dreams of what God would do beyond you? Young men in this church, when's the last time that you said, we're not going to let our youthfulness squelch the vision of what we want to see God do in the future. We're going to get together and dream and pray and envision and then encourage the church to wrap their arms around what God wants to do. And old men, your responsibility is to dream and vision with them. Some of you old guys have the money, but you don't have the energy. Some of you young guys have the energy, but you may not have the money. What we need to do as a church is we need to put our money where our mouth is. We need to say, now look, before y'all get all nervous, y'all are like, super uptight right now we already took the offering so don't worry about it my point is very simple what we need to do is say whatever the cost whatever the planning whatever the dream whatever the vision whatever God says to do I'm going to do my part maybe I'm not in on the visioning and the dreaming and the planning I'm going to give and I'm going to support whatever God wants to do if it's a ministry that will reach people for the cause of Christ then count me in I may not know all the details I may not have all the answers but because God wants to work in me and through us I'm for it when's the last time you really dreamed and visioned and prayed and sought after what God wants to do in this church we need the Holy Spirit of God. There's a, a city in West Palm Beach, there's a section of the city in West Palm Beach, Florida that has a very pretty outdoor display. And this pretty outdoor display seems to be the perfect place for homeless people to sleep. And so their solution to keep homeless people away so that their city remains, this section of the city remains upper scale is they're playing children's songs on a loop 24 hours a day. The two songs that are played continuously 
are Baby Shark and Raining Tacos. Baby Shark I know, Raining Tacos I'm not familiar with. Please don't sing it now if you know it, because it'll catch on and I'll lose everybody. But apparently, it's equally as annoying as Baby Shark is. But those two songs are on a loop at this particular place in West Palm Beach to drive away people that are trying to get a good night's sleep that don't have a better place to do so. You know what occurs to me? A lot of times churches are the same way. We try to find some unique way to make what we do exclusive and do something to drive people as far away from what God wants to do in our church as possible. We say things they don't understand. We do things that have no explanation. We use language that they, even if they had a decoder ring, they couldn't understand. We have all of these steps and, and, and legalistic stuff that, they, that confuses them. And if by chance they walk in these doors looking different than us, we stare instead of making a friend. But if the Spirit of the living God is in us, then there's nothing that we won't do there's no place that we won't go. There's no ministry that we won't try. There's no group of people that is outside of the reach of the Spirit of God. And there is nothing that would keep us from sharing the message of hope with them. And I hope and pray that that's true of Columbia Baptist Church. And if it's not, if it's not true of all of us, then we need to receive the Spirit of the living God and we need to be corrected so that everything we do is about and for Jesus Christ. We need to receive the Spirit of the Lord. Secondly, the Bible teaches us that we need to recognize the signs of the Lord. Now notice quickly in this passage of Scripture, there's some weird stuff going on here after the prophecy comes that says the Spirit will come. It says, and I will show wonders, in verse 30, in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. You think, well, wait a minute. I'm not so sure that I want the Spirit to come if that's what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes. You have to understand, this is a progressive prophecy. There are parts that have been fulfilled at certain times, and there are parts that have yet to be fulfilled. For example, the first couple of verses in this text, as I said, were fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Right after Jesus ascended to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is still here. But what about all this other, this weird stuff, the fire, the blood, the columns of smoke, and the moon, and all of that? When is all of that happening? Well, in 70 A.D., part of it did happen. In the fall of Jerusalem, God allowed His city to be overtaken again because of sin. Temple destroyed, the walls broken down in some places, and the city was overtaken. And in 70 A.D., there was mass loss of life. The church fled, people were killed. And Nero and his army had a field day in Jerusalem. 
But you see, Jerusalem still stands, the church still exists, and the Holy Spirit is still at work. And so there are parts of this prophecy that have yet to be fulfilled. Friend, the long and short of it is this. Now listen very closely. What the world needs to understand is that the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit is alive and well right now, it is a promise and a guarantee of what is to come. Jesus said that His Holy Spirit was a deposit, a guarantee of what would come in the future. And what would come in the future is Jesus Himself that would call us home and we would be with Him forever. As wonderful as that sounds, and as much as we as the church are looking forward to that moment, it comes with a price tag. The moment that Jesus calls us home, and takes the church out of the world is the great day of the Lord in which this world will begin the process of being destroyed. And no one will be able to escape. Do you see why I get excited when I preach the message of hope and I talk about Jesus and I talk about eternal life? Friend, if you don't understand this, listen with all of your ears. There are two options for you. Either a home in heaven with Jesus or eternal destruction because you've never trusted in Him. And when the Bible says the great day is coming, it's going to be a great day for us because we'll be with Jesus, but it will be a great day of destruction because the wrath of God will be unleashed on sins that have never been paid for that have never trusted in Jesus, those souls that have never come to that moment to trust in Jesus Christ. And you fit in one of those two categories. And you need to recognize the signs. We are living in a world that is not getting better. We are living in a world that is growing further away from God. If you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you look forward to that day. When Jesus calls you home, if you do not have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, what on earth are you waiting for? It's not getting any better. There is no other option for you. I've shared this before and I'm going to share it again, but I think it's worth saying on Sunday morning. There, are, there is a name, a, a, a list of names that our guys on Tuesday morning pray for. We call it, Rick, our hard nut list. A list of people that are tough nuts to crack. They are people that as far as we know do not have a relationship with God through Christ and as far as we know they have no interest whatsoever in taking steps toward being saved. You know that we read that list off faithfully every Tuesday morning. Some guys know it by heart. We pray for each and every person on that list. And I want to tell you, if your name was on a list like that, I would make for certain that before the great day of the Lord comes, that Jesus found my name on His list and not on a hard nut list. That my name would be written in the Lamb's book of life because I've trusted in Jesus. Not, not on a hard nut list of someone who in all appearances has no relationship with God and no desire to have one. 
the signs are clear. Jesus is coming. The days are getting shorter, and my question is, what are you waiting for? Those of you that need to be saved, be saved today. Those of you that are saved, this next verse is for you. The last thing I want you to see in this text is thirdly, the Bible tells us to respond to the salvation of the Lord. You see, in verse 32, the Bible tells us two things. It says that it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Friend, listen to me clear and straight. If you call on God and you trust in Jesus Christ by turning from your sin and trusting in Him, you will be saved. That's as clear as what the Bible says, Jesus died for you. He paid the penalty for your sin. All you have to do is receive God's gift and turn from your sin and trust in Him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I've seen people in their 80s get saved. I've seen people in their 50s and 60s get saved. I've seen people that have been hooked on anything you can be hooked on get saved. Rick, I've even seen a deacon get saved. Amen. I saw a deacon who was a Sunday school teacher get saved. For 30 years this guy served in the church, but he had no relationship with God through Christ. He signed all the right cards, he took all the right steps, he had all the, or the right answers, but he didn't have a relationship with God and had never been born again. I don't know who you are, where you are, what you do, or what you have done, but if you need to call on the name of the Lord, call his name now. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved and I've trusted in me long enough. I need to trust in you for all of eternity. It's just that simple. Turn from you and turn to Him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be no escape. There will be those who escape, He says, as he has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. Who does God call? He calls those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. He calls those for salvation who have called out to him to be saved. Listen, you're not just going to hear God call your name on this great and awful day just because you're a good guy. You're not going to hear God call your name and say, hey, you know what, come on and, and, and you just come on into heaven. Don't worry, all these other people confess faith and trust in Jesus. You didn't, but it's okay because you're a nice lady. Mm -mm. Oh, you, you, your grandma went to church, your daddy was a preacher, you, you, your cousin was a deacon, or you lived next door to somebody who, who had a cross on their door. No, the Lord will call your name. If you call on His name to be saved, when you call on the name of Jesus to be saved, your name is written in God's book and it will forever stay there and on that day He will call your name. Does He know your name? Do you know His? People tell me all the time, Pastor, would you pray about this and this? You have that special hotline with God. I love that. Because I really don't. 
I have the same phone number for God as you do. And so if you call on the name of the Lord, He'll answer. And when He answers, He will forever remember you and you will belong to Him. The world is waiting for the church to tell them that Jesus saves. The world is waiting for somebody who knows Jesus to tell this person who doesn't know Jesus how they can be saved. Some people trust in the, in the dumbest things that I've ever seen in my life. In fact, I love pictures of bridges that I will never cross. I, I've asked for a couple of pictures to be shown to you of some bridges that, that I personally would never cross. And Roy's going to show those to you here in just a moment. I think. They're fascinating. I can talk about them and describe them for you, but it'd be much better if, if, uh, if we could see them. There's one in Colorado that I'll never cross. That's called the Royal Gorge Bridge. Anybody ever cross that bridge? Yeah, I wouldn't ever cross that. I would show the next one. The next one, this one's in Vietnam. People use this bridge every single day, even to model. I mean, it's just uh, it's part, of, part of life, this bridge. Go, the next one's one of my favorites. This bridge is called the Hussein Hanging Bridge in Pakistan. Not only would I never go there, I would never get on this bridge. But there are people that use the... I think this is where Indiana Jones was filmed. I think... Uh, go ahead and show the next one. I've been on this one, I don't know how many times. This is the Lake Pontchartrain Bridge in, in Louisiana. I don't even think twice about it. This is the longest bridge, uh, I think, in the world. It's like 30-something miles, and it's only 16 feet above the water. I guess when you grow up in Louisiana, you get over it. The next one is the Canopy Walk in Ghana. Now, this one looks a little more Indiana Jones-ish, Jones's-ish, however. The next one. This one is in Switzerland. I would be afraid that I would get stuck, you know, that my skin would stick to the bridge and I'd just have to die right there, that y'all would have to come there for my funeral. And the last one, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know that you could really call this one a bridge, uh, but they call this the Mekong River Crossing in China. Now, you can tell the water and, and this person you know, you can't see them throwing up. You can't see them, uh, you know, being afraid or scared or whatever. This guy probably does this 80 or 20 times a day. Doesn't think twice about crossing the river like this. And what I'm afraid of is that people trust some of the dumbest things to get them through life. They trust their job. They trust their bank account. They trust their, their relationships. They trust their their 401k, they trust all of these things and say, you know, just like these people trusting these bridges, this is all I have and, and I'm putting all my faith in that. You know that last guy on that little wire? It only takes one bolt to come undone. It only takes one person with a nice pair of scissors or, or bolt cutters or something to just cut that string. It only takes a sneeze. For that person right in the middle of crossing that, that river to lose his grip and perhaps fall to his death. 
your life is just that fragile. And that's exactly why God doesn't ask you to take care of it. Your life is so fragile, God never puts it in your hands. He sent His Son, Jesus, 2,000 years ago to die on a cross for your sins so that you might have eternal life and not have to pay for the rest of eternity for yourself. God already has everything in His hands that you need for eternal life. All you have to do is receive it. What are you waiting for? But friend, I'm going to tell you, if you know Jesus Christ and you have the Spirit of the living God and you're praying for God to use our church to do something amazing and you're waiting to find some motivation to get up and to get out and to bring the message of hope, then I'm asking you, what are you waiting for? There are people that are trusting some of the most ridiculous things and you know it doesn't work. And yet here you sit with the answer to life's greatest questions all the while that their life literally hangs in the balance on a rickety old bridge when you know that the best solution for them is to put their hand in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ and trust him forever if you know Jesus find somebody who doesn't but if you don't know Jesus He's right here available to you today. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that the message of hope is alive and well. Father, we are so very thankful that the life of Jesus was given so that we might have eternal life in your name. We are so thankful, Father, that all that you have done For our benefit, though we're not worthy of it, we accept it and we thank you for it. Father, right now today, there are people that are praying for the salvation of those that need to know Christ. And Lord, if there is one or two or even 20 in our midst today that do not know Jesus personally, God, I pray that today you would call them by name, that they would call you by name and trust in Jesus personally. Father, if there are those in this place that know Jesus but are hesitant to make His name known, and I pray, Father, that Your Holy Spirit would fill us, give us dreams and visions and motivation, and send us out into the world to be a witness of hope for those that need to hear it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Randy Johnson. Thank you so much for joining me for What's the Word? That show airs every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock on 101.9 WAIN right here in the heart of Adair County in Columbia, Kentucky. Or you can catch the replay of What's the Word on my podcast, which is called Walk This Way. And you can find that in several different places. You can find it at anchor.fm backslash walkthisway on the internet, or you can find it on different apps and, and places that carry podcasts like iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast and all sorts of uh, places. You can find this broadcast. You can find messages that I've preached. And I just want to encourage you to make it a point to tune in, subscribe, 
and listen to all sorts of content that's on my podcast, which is called, again, Walk This Way. Thank you so much for joining me.